My name is Melanie Pitsey, CEO of the GPA. And I'm Tara O'Sullivan, CMO at Amidas. As you'll be aware, there are so many talented, driven and hardworking individuals within the payroll industry from all around the world. We wanted to give these individuals the opportunity to share their journey, expertise and experiences with you. So what better way to do this than through the Humans of Payroll podcast? Today, our first guest is Andrew Finch. So over to you, Andrew. Would you like to introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah, hi, I'm Andrew Finch. Um, so I currently work for Cambridge Education Group. I'm the HR, Payroll and Operations Manager. Um, so I'm really pleased to be here today um, on this first podcast. Fantastic. So I think, let's obviously, this is about you today, all about you, Andrew. So would you like to um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience uh, yes, so I, I, if I go exactly into who I am, so obviously I'm Andrew Finch, work at Cambridge Education Group at the moment. Previously to that, only one employer before that, which was Tesco, which is obviously a long career um, doing lots of different roles, which probably come out over the course of this podcast to kind of explain how it got me into payroll. But on the personal side, I'm 29, although I am 30 this year, so it's a big for you. Uh, um, I live in Chelmsford in Essex in the UK. I have done uh, since I was born. Um, Married with a wife, Casey, and recently uh, a new puppy dad as well. Um, got a lockdown puppy. So. What kind of a puppy? It's a cavishin. So, yeah, it's a bundle of fluff. How long have you actually worked in the payroll industry for? So, I was, when, I, when I was thinking about this podcast, I thought, oh, this question might come up. And I was like, oh, how long can I say I've been working payroll? But um, I'd say on and off for six to seven years now, I've been working in payroll. Um, when I first entered that role, it was through um, Tesco, obviously, and it was very different to the sort of payroll I'm doing now. Um, in, in retail stores, the biggest challenge is time and attendance, understanding when people have worked, when people haven't worked. And there were roles in stores um, that I got put into, um, which was called a compliance manager, where you basically were in charge of running that payroll for the store you were in, managing the budget that went with it. So we didn't manage in hours back then. We actually managed in financials, had to work out NI, all the, all the sort of things that you kind of relate to payroll. But with it being a big company, a lot of it, the systems were built around making that job easy to do um, or not always easy, but, you know, challenging to do at some points. But they were custom built for the purpose they were intended for. Um, that's, that was, so that was my first taste of payroll. And then obviously when you go into payroll, from the end-to-end process, you realise that you were only seeing a tiny part of that process through time and attendance. But the one thing it did do was I came from an area, um, from a sort of um, an industry where a person's payslip is not the same ever. Like one month to the next month is completely different, which is a, is a challenge because, you know, a lot of people associate payroll being divide that by 12 and pay that every month. It was a lunar payroll. It was four weekly, um, and that obviously that four week period was different every year. Um, and you had to be able to balance that. Working out pay query quickly was was it due to cutoff dates? Was it due to the system not being coded correctly on the system? It was it was really complex. Thinking back to it on a balancing act to making sure the pay was accurate. So actually, when I did go into um, a salary payroll on a monthly basis, like it took me probably a couple of weeks to get my head around I couldn't believe how simple it was in order in, to process that compared to pay slips that changed every month and I think that's one of the reasons why I ended up at Cambridge Education Group because they have a lot of um, tutors that work on part-time basis and their pay slips don't tend to be the same every month and one of the bits of advice they got was go and get someone who's worked in an industry where the pay slip is never the same because they, they won't be phased by this challenge and um, I, one of the things I do look back on and smile about now is in that role in Tesco and shops is actually how complex that situation could, was at times and actually how we managed to overcome that by just using you, you got used to the rhythm of the, of the four weekly period and you were able to manage that quite well. And would there have been lots of queries from um, retail staff in Tesco mm. about why those four why those pay ups were never the same or did people kind of get it? Yeah so it, it, 
when, when, when I was in, in that industry, it was, it was still the case that you had people that had their core contracted hours yeah. a week and the system would pay that regardless. And then the time and attendance system would almost be an overlay on top of that of a, four, a different four week window. We had about five different weeks that we were in terms of you had wow. a holiday week, an overtime week, a core week. And the overtime week would obviously be the overtime and any deductions for sickness or any other sort of leave. Um, and the, the, the majority of queries would be, why isn't that on the payslip for this period? And then, but you tend to have that query once or twice from the same person and they'd understand the process and they'd often look. We used to do payroll guides and calendars to give people cutoff dates and stuff. Um, but it was also managing the, the managers who are in charge of actually telling us how to code what we called exceptions at the time. So they were, we used to get a report every morning that printed off for the previous day that said this person worked three hours over what they're contractually meant to do. Is that overtime? Is it time in lieu? And it, that's where you, that's where your errors came from. It was managing that. So it's, it's a case of being the, the service for the, for the employee, but also being the, uh, making sure the manager didn't do it again. <laughs> being the heavy guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so Tara, Tara and I were, were speaking about your experience before you joined us and um, Tara was saying that Tesco is, you know, is a, a great place to, to work. So how, how did you actually get into payroll? Was it straight into Tesco's and, you know, what, what was that, you know, because yeah. don't generally decide to join payroll, you know, do Ab that. Absolutely not. And I didn't intend to, um, that was never my kind of goal. So I left, um, school go and I decided to go to a sixth form college but I didn't really want to stay and do my A-levels because I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I was 14 and stuff I thought I wanted to be a pilot <laughs> but and then I was then I kind of got some reality and thought you know what is it what I want to do is it you know is it feasible and actually the grades I'd need to get could I get them and I'll probably talk my down, myself down a bit about that um, but I went to sixth form and I did a practitioner course in IT. So I did like a free concentrated free A-level course in information technology. And because I thought, you know, I'm good at computers, I wanted to go into IT. So I went into the course which talked about programming, all those sorts of things. Um, and I came out of, and whilst I was, sorry, actually, whilst I was studying there, I thought I need to get a job. I was 16, I could get a job. So I applied for a job at Tesco um, next to the college and got a job there. So I worked on checkouts for 11 and a half hours a week, um, probably for some like tiny hourly rate. I can't remember what it was now. Um, but so I worked there um, whilst I was at college studying and carried on studying at college. And when I finished, you, um, when I finished college, it was 2007. So the height of the, um, the recession, um, coming out thinking I was going to go into an IT career and actually all the companies were just culling their IT departments. Um, they were kind of re pulling back the investment that we saw um, pre the recession. I thought, you know, I'm not going to be able to go out there and get a job in IT. It's just going to be too difficult. Um, and I had been, during that sort of time of me finishing college, I had more time to do more hours at work. I was being asked to do some sort of more supervisory roles on the checkouts. Um, and they just said to me, would you be interested in doing the management program here? And I thought, you know what, Give, I'll do it. You know, I'll give it a go. Um, and within a week, I was full time. I was a supervisor. And then I was on the management program. Um, and then by the time, so I think I did that for about a year. And by the time I was 19, 20, I was signed off as a line manager in charge of a checkout department in the same store, which was also frowned upon because they liked you to move around. Um, but I was kept in that shop and I was looking after 110 people um, on checkouts which was a bit of a challenge because you're a 19 year old <laughs> boy pretty much. And then <laughs> having to manage people who were like, you know, in their ret early retirement because they were doing it as a retirement job and of course. having to deal with, you know, trying to tell them to do something because you've been told this is what needs to happen. And actually them thinking to you, you're just a boy. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go away, leave me alone. Um, <laughs> but it was, it, it was really character building. And the, it's not just the employee side of it, because you obviously learned to deal with all the employee issues and looking after a department that size, you came across so much um, HR stuff as well, because you had yeah. to deal with all the, the maternity, you had to deal with any disciplinary issues, any, all, all of that, that was all your responsibility. And likewise, the service department, you had to deal with customers. So 
you, you grew fixed skin very quickly in terms of understanding how to do with customer service, how to deal with employees who might be a little bit irate about the situation, but also how to also develop employees as well. Um, it became so I'm, I'm really pleased I did that because I think for anything, when I look back on it, the customer service element is really key in payroll and actually understanding people issues is really key in payroll as well. Yeah. And also understanding all the factors that can impact pay. So in a way, looking back on it, it was a really good thing to do. And it's kind of led me into, you know, understanding a lot more around the role I do now. Um, whilst I was in that role, I also got moved to various other departments like petrol stations. <laughs> I managed them for a while. That was interesting. Um, but whilst I was in a manager uh, in Tesco, they offered the opportunity to apply to do a degree through them at Manchester Metropolitan University. Um, so I applied to do that and I was one of 21 managers that year that got selected to go onto the course. So we worked full time um, and then we got to go up to Manchester nine times a year um, to go and do face-to-face -face lectures and then the rest of the time we submitted all our papers, our, you know, um, our work online um, and got, um, got um, our marks from them when they when they came back. So and that was a, that was a fantastic course. It was business management and marketing, and it was brilliant. It had like um, employment law modules. It was full of commerciality, finance, understanding all that, um, which was great for Tesco because it we were using relevant case studies in our own shops to to do these to do this work but it was also great for me because you learn a really you kind of got a lot more better understanding of business and the biggest thing that I feel that I got from uni being someone that didn't ever want to go to university because I didn't really know what to do well, the biggest thing I got from it was the report writing and that sounds really stupid but when I look at it in my role now and I write reports to try and get things approved that skill was something that I learned at university and actually helps me progress a lot of the initiatives that we try and do by making those reports that you know bring in theory but also bring in um, relevant information to the boards etc um, and and if you think about so you're in Tesco mm -hmm. you finished your degree which is yeah. great which Tesco have have um, funded and then from so and you're managing various different like teams mm -hmm. or there's some petrol stations or in stores or whatever and you moved around so at what stage then do you kind of go into the payroll department yeah. and start making that your kind of life's work so basically um halfway through the degree i got told right we, need to, we don't want you to start we don't want you to manage the front end anymore we don't want you to manage petrol stations we're gonna we want you to go and do um, a role of compliance manager so my store manager at the time um said to me i think you should do this role and I was a little bit unsure, hesitant, because I was like, well, what do I know about payroll? What do I know about finance? And it's like, fine, you'll pick it up, you'll pick it up. And um, from there, I didn't really look back. That was when I got into payroll. That's when I kind of started to learn the, the systems in store, the, the, the payroll forecasting, the budgeting, setting, you know, working out from back then. I don't, I, I imagine it's moved on some, somewhat from what I was doing, but you used to have to estimate the sales the store was going to take for a period. That would then dictate your payroll budget. And then from there, you would then balance that on a weekly basis. And you'd be forecasting. So the, the two systems, the time and attendance system would work separately from the actual payroll system, which was based in India. And what you would be doing is you'd be guessing the numbers that the payroll team in India would be sending back to hit the store's accounts the following week. And your, your job as a compliance manager was to get that as near as you could um, so you start to you start to get really granular of looking at payroll. Like, why is my NI higher? Why is my pension payment higher? Who sold some shares, which has caused you know um, my payroll to change? So you be, you started to look really into the detail of payroll as well, which is where I kind of got a much better understanding of the subject. Oh, it sounds like really good grounding, and yeah. it sounds like you've you've learned a lot more than what a lot of people would have done in their first few years of you know their career in, in payroll I know sometimes that some they can some people can be a bit snobby can't they about having a career with a, a retail 
organization but you look at others like Sainsbury's and whatever actually they, they seem to be really good organizations for the young generation to be able to support them and and develop them in a in a career so um so do you think all of this experience helped you win the GPA transformation projects of the year award definitely so when I think from that I I knew from being a you know, someone that dealt with a large department and had variable pay, my department had the highest variable pay in the store, about what I would need as a manager to ensure that I could get that as accurate as possible. And then I also knew from the payroll side what I would need to get that as accurate as possible as well. And actually when I was doing transformation, one of the, when I was doing that project, one of the biggest things that I kept thinking back to is what would I want if I was the employee? What would I want if I was the manager? What would I want my user journey to be? And that's what I still do now. I still relate it back to if I was having to do this every day, how would it be easy for me? And how would, it, how would I keep it simple? Does your wife know what you do? You know, like when, when you speak to people <laughs> and then you say, I'm in payroll and even even your other halves, I think, go, well, I don't, I don't really understand it. Does your, does your wife understand no. what? no she ha- i had this conversation with her a couple of weeks ago so do you how do you do you know what i do at work she goes no not really i just say you pay people so you 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 are very passionate you can tell can't you tara um, absolutely yeah yeah and it's it's really nice to see um that you are so passionate what what do you think you love about the job the most the, you know especially where you are now i just like it when it works <laughs> so i know that sounds really, <laughs> i know it sounds really silly but um, the transformation project is one of the, you know one of the things that call out you know you think about it in your head you context you, you think of the user journey in your head and you go right I think that's what we need you have a few discussions with people and they agree or they don't agree and you, you work out those differences and you you roll it out and then when it works and someone goes oh that's really good that's much better I love that feeling mm. it doesn't happen every day but when it does it <laughs> yeah. keeps you going for, keeps you going for a while Exactly. And and then one of the things that's really interesting in your career mm-hmm. is that you were the project and payroll manager in Jack's format. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously, I would have assumed that if Tesco were setting up this other kind of part of the business, they would have just swapped over their existing payroll, you know, operations mm-hmm. or, or software or whatever. But clearly, it was very different. Tell us a bit about that, because that must have been a huge change. Yeah, so... I did. So when I say six years on and off the payroll, one of the reasons I say that is because I did go away from doing pay, that compliance role. I wanted to progress in the business and move on. And when I, I had to go away from payroll to do that, which the minute I did, I really missed it. Um, but I got I got a different role in store, which is a customer experience manager. I used to I had all the, the role of looked after all the managers that looked after anything to do with services. And I didn't really know where to go from that point on. And it was getting to the point where I started going, do I look outside at this point? Do I mm. try and do something else to go back into that part of, you know, the industry? Or do I go and do something completely different? I'm still young at that point. Can I go and, you know, do, do something? And um, I got asked to go to an interview um, with a director. Just randomly, one day I got, I got told by my, my store director, you need to go to an interview, it'll be with a director. I don't know, I'm not allowed to say much more, but you need to go to this cafe at this time and have an, and, and, and speak to them about a potential role. He'll be wearing a black hat, glasses. And yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> Super <laughs> secret. Yeah. Have yeah, exactly. a rope in his top pocket. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Um, and what transpired was the opportunity to join a project, which was the Jack's format. But at the time, we weren't a lot in that. We obviously didn't know the name. It was all under non-disclosure agreements and everything else. And I initially went onto that project as sort of a format administrator. So coming in from with stores experience to work on that project as someone that can help um, manage the project from a from the side of bringing things together, supporting the directors on that project with other things that may come up, um, and just generally bring some store experience onto that team, which is why I went on that project originally. What transpired is, as you said. Originally, the plan was that we would be moving with Tesco onto onto a payroll system that Jacks could use. Um, as with all people projects, that didn't transpire uh, as quickly as we wanted it to. So it meant that we needed to find a solution for Jacks. And you, you may think that it's a case that we just bring over what the stores have currently, mm. but the stores have very different contractual terms to what we had, and the systems, as I said before, were built specifically for that user case they weren't built to be like but in this case be different for this one particular shop 
or you know and I did go and scope that and because of my payroll background in stores I was kind of like well Andy why don't you go to that and I was like payroll yes please I'll go back um and I was I got to scope out with the tech teams in Tesco what it would mean to change that particular software that we had in-house it was a lot of work and we needed to be nimble and quick because we wanted to deploy this format quickly um and that is where I learned payroll from end to end because I had to go and basically with very thin parameters due to um, security requirements that the business needed, I had to go and find a payroll product that we could use to pay people in shops. But at the same time, I knew my biggest worry in that point was how do we get the time and attendance right? Because that that was going to be the more of the issue. Paying people, again, you know, you can put a number in into a payroll system and it will pay them. It was about how do we get that number to be correct, which did prove to be a huge challenge, as I thought it would be. Um, But that is how I ended up um, doing the payroll project management for Jax. It's because of my previous experience in store and actually realising we need someone who understood how stores currently worked and also understood what they would need to function, but also, unfortunately, use use a use a system that wasn't already in the company in order to do it quickly so that's also where I learned about you know employer reference numbers setting them up all that sort of end-to-end that you have in the UK the FPS the EPS the stuff that I never got involved with in a shop at a shop level and doing that can I ask a stupid question mm-hmm. I've never heard of Jax what is it just another retail company so Jax was the uh, format, and it still is, um, a format of shops that Tesco launched to arrive, um, to disturb Aldi and Lidl. So they're like a, a, they're a smaller version of a Tesco, and they, they, they mimic the sort of discounter style of shop. So yeah, there, there, was, there was, we launched eight in the first year, and the year that I was there, we launched those stores, and that's what we had to get up and running quickly. And my payroll software only got deployed the week before we had to pay people that's how oh, that's, wow. that, that was the that was the timelines that we were we were working at so I'd done all the work approved it it sorted would work and then it kind of got launched wow at that point but yeah so one of the things like that we we when we thought about this podcast is that you know people don't grow up mm-hmm. thinking I'm going to be a payroll <clears throat> person um, and and yes, everybody has to get paid, right? So it is a ubiquitous thing all around the world, and it's you know. Um, so how do we make payroll sexier for to attract you know the right people into it, or do you think payroll is going to change and become like more data focused or something like that? So therefore, it'll be it'll be different kind of people doing it. Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? Because the people in payroll love it. But you also, how do you get people into that industry? And I think we've already established that most of us end up in it by either mistake or we, it's a progression from another role. And for me, I I feel like it's almost, it's another thing. What, the perception of payroll is wrong anyway. Yes. And I think people just think payroll is about paying people and it really isn't. It's about making systems work for the, for the company and every company is different. It's about... It's, it, well, there is an element, you know, it's about data, getting the data right. And it's also about, yes, paying people and being compliant. But all of those things are really different skill sets. And you could specialize yeah. in any one of them and not be in payroll. Yeah. Um, so I, I almost see payroll as, when you, if you were saying, someone said to me, oh, I want to go into payroll, I'd be like, okay, what do you want to, what do you want to specialize in payroll? Because you could, you could go and say you're going to go and work in payroll and you can go and, do a payroll course and learn how to use stage payroll and pay, do a payroll for 10 people and it'd be it'd be very boring but if you said actually I'm gonna go in there with programming knowledge and actually I'm gonna try and do some things where I'm gonna improve the systems that we use in the business and I'm going to build some scripts or something that's going to make that that job that's all quite hard a lot easier for people or I'm going to make it easier for managers to manage their payroll or I'm going to be able to build really good insight I think that's when you get people into payroll because actually they need to realize there's a real, it needs to move on and it needs to move on quickly because it's been, it's left behind a little bit, I feel. And you've really thinking about it in terms of how it affects the employer, but also how it affects the employee, Hmm. you know, so you're thinking about it in terms of like you were talking about insights there or whatever, like that's really 
that's a really fascinating element of payroll, you know. Yeah, and there's so much you can tell from insights as well. You can find payroll errors before they happen with insights. And one of the things that I did in, um, I've done in my current role and I wanted to do in Jack's, I don't think we didn't really get there before I left. And, you know, that might be one of the things that we talk about in a bit, but um, is I let people see their pay slips on a daily basis live for the next month. I, I let, because... I know people, you've got two types, well, you've probably got more, two, more than two types. But there's definitely two types of people in an employee base, which is ones that don't ever look at their pay slip, just see it going to the bank and don't really ask questions. And you've got the others that are, you know, really keen. They like to check it and they either like to check it for their own personal reasons, not because they live month to month, but they just like to know that everything is as it should be. And you will... And I find that I like to help them by actually, and especially in, a, in an environment when you have people's pay change each month, where you yeah. give them visibility of saying, this is what's coming up in your pay. This, mm-hmm. is, this, is, this is what it's going to be on the 25th of this month when you get paid. If you, if you see a problem now and you let me know, I can fix it like that. If you let me know afterwards, it's a lot, more, it's a lot, harder, to, it's a lot harder to fix. And I'm not saying that it's down to the employee to check their pay and let me know there's a problem. It's still my, it's still my role as a payroll manager to make sure that it's compliant and it's correct as yeah. I can make it. But that is a great checking tool that I use to help where, you know, maybe a manager isn't that good at authorizing timesheets. Yeah. I can I can be alerted to that before the issues even happened and no one gets upset in the in the process. I think also one of the things that you've said is about the customer service. Hmm. So, you know, years and years ago, I remember um, there used to be there was a phase where a lot of people were getting fired from payroll departments because there was almost like zero customer service. So maybe that was 15, 20 years ago, and then all of a sudden there was a big drive on customer service. And I think sometimes that's actually forgotten along the along the way a little bit. But actually, it's not only to you know be correct and compliant. I know we've run a survey with Amidis um, about the customer service from the point of view from the, the payroll provider, but it's also there's a big issue, I think, for a customer service actually within the payroll team, because I don't think you could be a payroller if you don't actually like people, or it's very hard, because mm. you've got to have that level of yeah customer service exactly and i feel like it's, it's often funny because you sometimes see emails come into the when i first went into cambridge education group there, there was issues with the payroll accuracy that there was and some of the emails were obviously quite irate and people used to get upset about how irate the email was and i was like you've got to remember this person's probably had four pay slips in a row now where it's not been correct Absolutely. they are going to be upset and you have got to deal with them as a customer you have got to you can't just go back and say I've corrected it. You kind of have to give them, you know, the, the experience that actually is like I completely understand that, you know, this is what we're going to do about it and everything else. You know, I got to the point at some points where I was putting meetings in the diary for like a month's time to say I'm really sorry your pay's been wrong this month. I'm going to have a meeting with you the week before your next, the week before next payday to talk through your pay slip that you're going to get paid, so you can be you can be assured that if there's any issues we could correct it on that call. And um, it was fine because you, you check it beforehand, but you just did that to kind of give them the confidence that they yeah. they were being listened to um but it is not nice when people get i hate it i, I take it really personally when people get pay queries i find it it's really annoying and it, it does get you down as a payroll manager when you think actually oh, i could have done something that could have probably highlighted that earlier um but it does happen um but when it does it's kind of fixing it the best you can and it's as you say mel about having that service element to your work obviously people listen to the payrollers but you know explaining advances and things like that that can that can be a a service challenge in itself (laughs) explaining why things are deducted on the future pay slip and you know actually everything's fine but i I understand i've got to explain this to you which is why i think payroll could get better in the future by circumventing some of the reasons to do that did you see that video of that guy and his son in america and he, he got his first pay slip. And I think the guy was actually a payroll person. And then the car and his son opened up his like um, check, you know, and then he, he was like, what? and he didn't realise he had to pay tax. Oh, <laughs> oh the poor guy. He was, he was just like, what? And I think it's oh. even, even down to that level, isn't it? People don't necessarily understand. I mean, obviously that's different because he's a young, you know, young guy and it's his first uh, payslip. But I think there's also an element, you're right, that people don't necessarily understand mm. a lot about payroll and, and the elements and when they got deductions and that, you know, all sorts of different things. So you, you do have to be a bit patient, I'm assuming. 
Yeah, and I, I think that is our job, isn't it, it's to help them understand what that what it means and what's on the pay slip. I mean, we've just launched a really cool, cool tool in um, Cambridge Education Group where you can actually now click on all the elements on your pay slip and it brings up a box and we can type in it from our end. Like, so we can basically say for that calculation, describe it to the employee as this, and then you can break down how that figure is worked out. And I love that Brilliant. because... Um, when you click on like overtime, it says this is overtime from this date, and it was paid at this hourly rate. Mm-hmm. And when you and they can click on things like um, a benefit in kind, and it will say this is this is how much your benefit in kind is because of this reason. Mm-hmm. And you can click on your tax code and all that sort of stuff. And I love that. I think that's really cool. I think you're slightly a bit um, IT geeky. I I feel after having yes. this conversation with you, you've still got your <laughs> IT roots, haven't you? Yeah. So I use that all the time. And we, we do loads of stuff outside of our own systems and HR systems where we do leverage some IT that we, we do in-house to kind of help with our with, with doing all sorts, especially in with the coronavirus. We use all our payroll data to help track how people are, people are outside of that system as well. So we do all sorts. And I still use my IT stuff I did in college all the time. Very good. Um, so when you began your career, what kind of advice would you have liked to get to get you to where you are faster? Or actually, do you think your career kind of developed in a very natural way that actually helped? I often joke with my friends and that when they say, oh, uh, uh, you know, how, how, what are you going to do next? I'm like, well, I, whenever I've tried to do something different, and I've gone, uh, I'm going to go and apply for a job in a different company or I'm going to, you know, which happened quite, you know, where I was, you know, working at Tesco. So I did think that from time to time, so maybe I just need to go and do something different. And um, quite often I'd have an interview and I just wouldn't be successful or not, you know, and, you know, or I just never hear anything. And I used to go, oh, I'm just never going to be able to get out of here, you know, or I'm never going to be able to do something different. But then what would happen is in a few months time, something naturally would happen to progress my career. So like, random conversation in a coffee shop you know Um, and so I I do feel that I've been very lucky with like how my career has just naturally progressed and it's always come back to payroll it's funny as well it always seems to progress when it's a payroll opportunity more than anything (laughs) if I can't get out of payroll more than I can't get out um, other roles but um, yeah I I feel very lucky that it has progressed naturally if someone said if someone told me what I'd be doing now when I was um early on in my career I think it probably would have been a bad thing because I don't think I would have had the same different experiences that have helped me in payroll so I might not have had as much customer service experience I might not have had I might have not had so much experience with time and attendance Um, you know um, so I I do feel like payroll is one of these industries where if you have a, a mixed bag of experience behind you it will help I feel like almost like not having any experience outside of payroll might hinder you more. Yeah, especially with the customer service piece. I think you're absolutely right because it needs to be seen as like an internal service opportunity within the organization. I think that's hugely important, especially as you get to like shared service centers where you're Mm -hmm. even in a non-COVID world, you're not down the road from the, you know, from the payroll team. It's, It's in another country or something. So, yeah, I think that's really important. You, to me, you feel like you've had a, a really successful um, career, but have you had any sort of failures in your career? And, you know, from, I think, you know, I, I'm assuming, Tara, I don't know if you've had any failures, but I think we've all, I know I have. Had some good Lord, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I've had some good ones. Yeah. Um, and so have you had, sort of had any failures sort of during your career, um, Andrew, and, and like anything that you've learned from it? you know is there a failure that you wouldn't mind repeating again even though it might have been a painful process I think with failures as well you at the time they feel huge and they feel like you're never going to recover from them in a from a career point of view but actually a couple of years later you look back on them and go actually if I hadn't have had that failure I wouldn't yeah. be able to do what I do now and one of the things with the jacks you know I, I alluded to the time and attendance being the most key part of that and being really difficult to get right and probably due to several outside constraints which I couldn't you know I can't affect you know that made that really hard and if it was one thing that I would probably do is probably would have gone back and I would have challenged those constraints more mm-hmm. to get what I had the solution I wanted in there because the impact 
that you know having your first pay slip wrong for some employees is just not forgivable from my point of view um at that time and you know it's fixed and you know fixed very quickly but it does still annoy me now that you know I could have probably challenged more probably had a bit more confidence in what I thought was right being right had that confidence to do that and actually get the right result for the employee and it's something I but if I hadn't had that failure now would I be such an advocate for the employee and getting that experience right and be so British with it now probably not so it's mm. probably good to you know have that that failure back then um the other thing as well, it, it relates to Jack's. I think the reason why everything relates to Jack so much is because it's the first time I've kind of given the ability to go out and do it on my own rather than being, with, you know, protected. Is um, I set up the team in India, so I got to outsource it. So I got to go out to India um, for a few weeks to go and get a team in India trained up. And I feel like I would have done that a lot earlier now because I didn't get as much time as I wanted to build up the, the rapport with the team and the, the team in the UK but again you know it's as I say it's a good thing to fail because actually now I know with outsourcing that you know it's not just a case of giving someone the job and walking off it's a case of you know giving them the job and supporting them for quite a period of time before you can walk away from it and likewise having the confidence to push through when you know something's right. I don't know if this sounds patronising maybe it does but I think you've done a lot for being so young haven't you you've you've done a lot in your career really but uh, am I allowed to say that <laughs> of course you are but uh, yeah the thing that I think is really interesting is um is that uh you have such a sense of um advocacy for the employee mm. you know I I don't see that in every single payroll person or department that we come across I think that's really very powerful because then you will make sure that um, it's done properly, you know? This is, I think this goes back to, you know, when some people say to me, oh, oh, what do you think about payroll and, what you know, what is the common misconceptions of payroll? And I think that it is that payroll is about just paying people and it's, payroll, and it's only the payroll team's job to pay people. It's not. It's everyone's job to pay people correctly. It really, you know, and that was one of the biggest issues that I had at, you know, when I came to Cambridge Education Group in the change management was actually, it's not just, it's my job as a payroll manager is to make sure that what you tell me, I accurate, accurately gets paid to that employee, but we also need to make sure that what you're telling me is correct. Mm. Um, and it was, you know, there, it felt like at first there was this, there was this thing where the payroll department was only the only person responsible for that. And that's one of the, probably the biggest things that we had to change yeah. Um, to make sure that people were actually, you know, the payroll department will do everything they can to make sure that, that employee is supported and paid correctly, but they will also make sure that everything that comes into them is being done correctly. And if we find out it isn't, we will we will deal with that. We will make sure that you know that managers getting supported to understand why it's not coming through correctly, um, but also at the same time, how can we limit the reasons why? So can we change the process to make it easier? And that's what I'm constantly looking at is how can you know absence is another one you know put an absence into a system and I think oh, that's you know you, you can think especially with everything being connected now which is great in HIRSs with payroll built in you put an absence in and that's it job done but if you not put that absence in correctly it can impact pay horrifically yeah. um so it's about yeah my the biggest misconception I you know I often talk about in payroll is that we all we do is pay and actually yeah. we do a lot more and their misconception is that we should just be paying people yeah. more than that. And I think that reach back into the organization to ensure that the information's correct is actually the difference for a lot of payroll departments now is that not only are they being asked to pay people correctly, but they're also being asked to ensure that what the information that they're getting is correct, which I think is really, that's really interesting. You know? mm. And so, difficult. It's not easy, is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you think, obviously, we're, we're filming or we're recording this in, in lockdown. Do you feel like lockdown has improved the perception of the payroll department in some companies? Because, you know, payrolls had to supply data that maybe it's never had to before. Um, and do, do uh, CEOs or the board now understand or have a bit more of an understanding of what data payroll can actually provide? I, I still don't think that that bridge has been gapped. 
and that gap. Oh, I think how to say that. But, you know, I, I still think there's yeah. a gap there because payroll teams are very good at taking these things in their stride and just moving on and like providing a report. Okay, I'll get you that report. Here you go. This is the information. But I know payrollers that have you know in the UK and also in well, I haven't seen it in action in like the Netherlands example their their equivalents but you, you see it where they're having to do a lot of manual out of system work to work out what should be paid to these people under these furlough schemes or top up schemes that you're seeing all around the world mm. and that is a huge amount of resource and work in order to do that and I, I think what payroll teams will do is I'll tell you that well from what I've seen have taken that in their stride and I don't think the business has seen the impact of that and likewise, I think the employees, because it's a government-backed scheme in most cases, will see that money coming through in their payslips as the government doing that and not the payroll team. Um, and I, I still think there will always be a little bit of the pay, what does the payroll team actually do. And I think that's where in, improving business processes and improving accuracy and actually reducing cost where possible is where the, the payroll team can make the board stand up and pay attention to them. If you could go, one of the things that I did at Cambridge Education Group, and I was really lucky that my director was fully behind me in doing this, was like, if I go and make these payrolls cheaper, or this is the end cost of the payroll, the transformation project we're doing, will you let me spend a proportion of this money, not all of it, on employee benefits? Yeah. And then that's what they got. I got a yes to that. So not only do you, so that's when the payroll team starts to really prove its worth because look, we can we can manage our budget better, but also invest into employees as well. Now I'm not saying every payroll budget is amazing and they might be able to do that. We were lucky that we were doing a transformation and we could we could we could do that. But I think payroll departments could you know can help show the business where change can happen. And I think as well like it's a unique position in the company, isn't it? You bridge finance, you bridge HR, you bridge you bridge all the operations, you bridge all these different departments and you've got, you you know, all the key stakeholders across the business because you pay them. So it gives you the opportunity to have those conversations. And can I ask you, um, Andrew, your view on things like, you know, on-demand pay. And mm. so in the States, they're, they're doing cards now instead of sending things to banks. And so if I go to Whole Foods in the States, I get instead of getting giving me a hundred dollars cash into my bank account, they give me a hundred and ten dollars in Whole Foods cards, for example. Mm -hmm. Any views on that as a kind of a payroll guru? I, I my favorite thing to ask in any of these things is why, like you know, yeah. so why why is payroll as it is now? And I and I know from the these pay providers is their question is why do why do we get paid monthly and. Yeah. It does go it go, does go back to the banks wanting it to be like that when they were setting up their system. So why yes. do we need to conform to what the bank wanted in the you know the nineteen fifties or sixties? You know, why mm -hmm. why is that? And um I'm up for anything which kind of challenges the norm and makes things a little bit more, you know, accessible to people. If it means that people can manage their lives better, then I don't see any reason why it's a bad idea the only time I'm against those things is when there's a cost to the employee I don't see yes. why the employee should have to pay to mm -hmm. access their funds in that way that's what the company wants to do um mm -hmm. I know some of them got like really clever um sort of saving schemes attached to them where they can win yeah. win all money and stuff like that so I'm, I'm all for it I uh, you know and I, I think it might might extends to me beyond those sorts of things like why is payroll monthly you know yes. it's, monthly, it's, it's monthly because the tax man wants it that way at the moment yeah, yeah, why yeah. does it why does it need to be mm. um you know so I, I think i think we'll see all these norms get challenged and i think we i think there will be more tech revolution within payroll anyway about yeah. how we can make because the only reason why these things are monthly and you know it's all historic it's all about interfaces and it's all about keeping keeping doing things in batch processes but we don't yeah. need to work like that anymore so yeah. how long will it be before payroll follows suit as well very good i hope i hope it does i know andrew we've spoken about this before mm. when we've had our little rants where you you see some of the other countries with their software and and what they've achieved and everything else so i think you know, I think there will be um, a lot more changes coming ahead. The, the only thing that surprises me about on-demand pay is that there are some resistance with um, some payroll professionals. Yeah. Um, and I, I, 
again I might have to edit this out <laughs> but, uh, but I feel like there's a difference of opinion maybe with the younger generation and then the slightly slightly older generation you know like it's something new isn't it and and actually I think it's going to happen no matter what you know if the paraprofessional yeah. doesn't like the idea doesn't think it's moral or doesn't you know does doesn't like the idea of it it's going to happen it's it's here isn't it and um, I think with the recession, well, potential recession, well, we're in a recession, aren't we? You know, you know, they're saying there could be 2 million redundancies in the UK. That's going to yeah. be needed, isn't it, for people? People will want to be able to get their salaries quicker. Yeah. And I've never thought about the the monthly salary, Andrew, in that way. You're, you're right. It's, it's, it's an old system, isn't it? Yeah. And in the States, it's like every two weeks. So everybody gets paid. It's very rare to have everybody in a monthly. And in other countries... They have a 13 month process whereby you get an extra month. And yeah, it's amazing. It's really, but even what you were talking about earlier with the, the fact that you were showing people what their pay slip was going to be on a real time basis. Um, like that's very different and new. Like that's only. Oh, yeah, my, payroll provider, my payroll software provider thought I was nuts. Yeah. But I was like, no, I honestly, honestly, it, I said, that's what I want. Look, in the back to me is my hybrid to getting somewhere to real-time pay I, know I can't do it at the moment I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm constrained but I I do feel there's gonna be a huge room for it and what Mel was just saying there is like it, when people say to me like oh well, why are people against it it's that comment they always make and it's always like what if and it's like yes what if but if we went through every scenario we would never do anything mm. um so I, I I do feel there will be it will not be exactly the same as it's now and it not everyone will like it but i think the idea is is that if you want to be if you want to have it on a monthly basis you could have still have it on a monthly basis it's about real-time access isn't it but also i feel like taxation needs to catch up with it how do you do real-time taxation with payroll yeah. because at the moment it's about 50 percent, and there's still a monthly process behind it it's still not really where that should be yeah loads of other things need to catch up but it's the cost of payday loans as well to employees so like if you in the states a lot of people are i think it's like 400 dollars away from you know having to take out a loan and so if there's an unexpected um bill or whatever you know the the idea of the interest rates they're paying is just astronomical and you can if you can save some of that i just think it's it's a no-brainer you know and i say in the uk as well we're seeing it where like even like the new the new sort of banks are challenging the norm which i love yeah um, which is like monzo going like if you want to get your backs you can have your backs today it's in processing we won't hold it back a day like because it's in our accounts we, we you can have it a day early so their backs process is two days so when i pay on the 25th everyone who's got a monzo card in my payroll is getting it on the 24th and that's just the bank making that decision so it shows it can be done yeah, yeah. And I think also the other um, misconception with the, the on-demand pay is that it's maybe the lower paid workers that actually need help, where I've read a few articles where, you know, there's been re- research and it's anybody and it can Absolutely. Be, be up to a director level. Yep. You know, I, I've been in the situation, you know, a good few years back where I've had to have the embarrassing conversation where I've had a, a bill that I didn't realise was going to come through and had to ask for an advance. And that was humiliating because... Yep. You know, it's not a very nice experience, is it, to, mm. to ask? So I think um, that's the other perception to think about. It's not necessarily the the lower paid workers. It can affect everyone. I could go on and on about that. I feel like it's <coughs> such a huge subject. Such it is, subject. though. It is. And and the idea in the state certainly is that is that <clears throat> it's actually your money because you've earned it. So Uber actually allowed their drivers to download the money that they earn during the day every single day if they want to because they have earned that money. It's fascinating. It's a really interesting way of looking at, at the money. So it's really, really fascinating. So I think in five years time, if we had this conversation, we'd be like, yeah, do you remember at the beginning, everyone was like, yeah, sure. And now, exactly. now it's just a norm. And also we're um, recording this, hopefully at the end of our <laughs> third lockdown, we're all keeping our fingers crossed that we'll soon be allowed out. So, um, Obviously, you've been working from home, as we can see. What what sort of thing have you been doing to, to cope? You know, have you what what's been your your release maybe of dealing with yeah. work from home and everything? So obviously, getting a, a dog back in the summer obviously helped um, get me out walking. And if I don't walk him for a good hour, he w- will 
be an absolute nightmare to look after in the afternoon. So that has definitely got me outside exercising more than I did in the first couple of lockdowns. Um, also projects. So um, we were lucky enough to move into our move into our house at the, back at the beginning of the beginning of 2020 after a very painful long moving process because it took ages to go through with the solicitors and everything else. But we got in just before lockdown and then lockdown hit. So we've been basically doing the house up ever since we've been in lockdown. And I think the latest coping mechanism in this lockdown was me smashing the kitchen up and redo <laughs> and redoing it myself. So um, I've been YouTubing all sorts of things on how to do things in kitchens and doing that at weekends, which has kept me out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like so much fun god smashing something up yeah and is there any um binge worthy um either on tv or books that you're kind of you're looking at at the moment while you're when you're not doing uh knocking down the kitchen i don't, I don't know if everyone's getting to the same point as i am when you're going through netflix or something and you're going i've seen that seen that seen yeah. that. i'm running out of things to watch so i need to get some more things on there i'm looking forward to um that Disney Plus adding all this new stuff in a couple yes. of weeks' time, and yeah. some of that stuff I used to love watching when it was actually on when you had to watch TV live. So yeah, uh, it'd be good to watch some of that again. That's did you watch with... Bridgerton? The wife did. Oh, I bet she it. did. I bet she did. <laughs> <laughs> all yeah, the wives watched it. Let me tell you, all the wives watched it. <laughs> yeah, that, that was... were you in the same room when he was watching it, Andrew? No, I was working. <laughs> She was off for two weeks, so <laughs> using a holiday. Oh, I only needed a day to watch it, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say it took me a day and a half. No problem. <laughs> Straight in. <laughs> so, so what are you looking forward to the most when we get out of lockdown? Um, I just can't wait to, well, I was hoping to host Christmas, but um, where I was in Essex, we weren't allowed to. We were we were single households at Christmas, uh, which was fine. You know, it makes sense to keep everyone safe. Um, but I can't wait to actually just host some stuff in the house. I, I love cooking in my spare time. So um, do some of that. Do some more barbecues again. Although I feel like I'm barbecued out after last year. It's like every excuse for barbecue there was. So it'd be good just to have people around and just have, like, you know, some social some social life back. Can't wait for that. <laughs> Maybe you need to, like, build a bar in your back garden. If you yeah, it's been one. requested. <laughs> I do need to do the back garden after the kitchen so maybe that'll be the next thing I'll break up and redo okay so um thank you so much for spending time with us Andrew um it's been really really interesting so if if people want to uh, reach out to you is it okay for them to contact you on LinkedIn absolutely yeah no great well thanks so much Tara our first thanks one thanks a million Mel yeah it was fantastic thanks, thanks Andrew me. it was great no, to uh, having me yeah, it was really good. It was really, really good. Thanks a million. Cool. Thank you. The Humans of Payroll podcast is recorded in partnership with Amidis. Amidis is the leader in consolidated global payroll solutions, processing payroll in over 150 countries. The Amidis platform provides a unified view of global payroll operations real-time data analytics, and advanced reporting capability while ensuring legislative compliance and data security. Amidis's deep integration capabilities with HCM and finance providers dramatically simplifies multi-country payroll obligations. 